0: Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 116 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tina Romero Jr., a.k.a. the Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode is a very popular interest to a lot of serial killer enthusiasts. It is an old-time tale that a lot of people, as soon as I start getting into it, are going to say, yo, I know this one, but I don't really know this one. So first off, I do want to apologize for not being consistent. Life happens. I'm going to try to be more consistent. It might not be every week, but I will try to get something more consistent. So thank you for bearing with me. So let's go ahead and get into it. Today's episode, episode 116, is about the White Chapel murders. Graveyard Grumbler, what is the Chapel? Chapel Murders. Yo, I know you think you know but you probably do, but if you don't, let me go ahead and fill it in for you. Let's find out what was the Whitechapel Murders. The Whitechapel Murders were committed in or near the largely impoverished Whitechapel district in the East End of London between April 3rd, 1888 and February 13th, 1891. You probably know, hey, I think I know about it. I think I know, but I'm pretty sure your mom and your grandma were around in 1888 and 1891. Ask them about it. They might know firsthand what I'm talking about before you even continue listening to the episode. Just say, mama, do you remember in the 1800s what happened in the East End of London in the Whitechapel District? Do not blame me if your mom karate chops you in the side of your head. Do not blame me that that is on your own discretion <laughs> in the late victorian era whitechapel was considered to be the most notorious criminal rookery in london the area around flower and dean street was described saying quote perhaps the foulest and most dangerous street in the whole metropolis dorset street was called saying quote the worst street in london look we we have bad streets all over we where we go we have horrible places texas uh california milwaukee illinois we, we, there's bad streets everywhere, but this is the 1800s where criminal activity probably wasn't as abundant as it is now. Or perhaps it was, it was as abundant, but it just wasn't reported on as much as it is now. So for somebody to say, golly, don't go down those streets because you're probably going to get stabbed with a rusted nail filer while you're trying to drink some tea. Shout out to all my English people. See, I threw tea out there. If you want to get stabbed in the side of the gut with a rusted horseshoe, go ahead and go to the east end of London in the Whitechapel district, and you're guaranteed to get stabbed by something. So if you're told, hey, I don't think you should go down there, don't go down there. That's the bottom line. Let's continue. Assistant police commissioner Robert Anderson recommended Whitechapel to those who take an interest in the dangerous classes as one of the London's prime criminal show places. When you have an assistant police commissioner saying look if you have an interest in dangerous things if you're if you're if you get your jollies off by walking down the street and possibly worry about getting stabbed in the back of the neck with a sharpened straw then hey head down to the white chapel district cuz you're probably going to get what you're looking for if the assistant police commissioner is going around telling people look if you want to get punched in the face 37 times with a rusted glass then go right down ahead and and head out now down to the Whitechapel district and find out what happens yeah i'm I'm probably not gonna go robbery violence and alcohol dependency were commonplace of course you have something that's that's not the greatest place what do you think is going to be riddled by their substance abuse and crime that's that's literally the, the groundwork of shitty places The district was characterized by extreme poverty, substandard housing, poor sanitation, homelessness, drunkenness, and endemic prostitution. We have poverty. If you're poor, what are you going to do? You're going to steal money. You're going to go try to find different ways to support your family, to get food, to figure out, hey, how am I going to eat from day to day? Poor sanitation, I just can't live with poor sanitation. That's fucking gross. Prostitution, however... Depending on your state's legalities, depending on your age, and depending on what you get your jollies off, you might be interested in finding one or two prostitutes. And back then, there was an endemic of prostitution. So why not say, here, kitty, 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 won't you come in? If you're underage, do not go looking for prostitutes. I'm not glorifying prostitution. But if it is legal in your area, support sex workers. That's all I'm saying. But be nice to them. Don't be an asshole to them like people are usually... Or to these prostitutes. And just don't be a dick. That's, that's the bottom line. Substandard housing. When you have substandard housing, people tend to get angry. If they don't have their basic needs met, all hell is going to break loose. We know that. I mean, think about it. Think about when you have people over for too long at your house. Cousins, friends, whatever it is. You have them, you have them staying at your house and you get pissed off. Like, I just want my fucking house back. It's the same thing. I just want some I just want some place to live. These factors were focused in the institution of the 233 common lodging houses within Whitechapel in which approximately 8500 people resided on a nightly basis. I know I have a good enough diploma. I know that I'm not a math magician. I know that I am not over there doing doing mathematic decathlons or olympic courses as far as math math magicians go. But I do know that 233 and 8,500 does not go into each other evenly. You have people who are overpopulated with substandard housing with only 233 common lodging houses, meaning that these houses aren't even theirs. These are shared depending on who's there, how long they've been there, and if they're paying whatever fee it is on time. If you're not paying the fee and you have 13 people waiting, guess what? You get in the boot. Get out of here. It's kind of fucked up if you ask me. The common lodging houses in and around Whitechapel provided cheap communal, communal lodgings for the desperate, the destitute, and the transient, among whom the Whitechapel murder victims were numbered. I read this piece a long time ago, and I, I don't remember exactly where it, what it was. I, I, I know that I fell into some wormhole, and I went into psychology of serial killers, and I know they're like, Grumbler! I know what you're reading. You don't know what I'm reading. And if you do, send me the article again because I can't remember what it was called. However, they were saying that serial killers, in order to feed their hunger, to feed their urge, they, also, they always target the scourge. Well, not always, but majority of the time, they target the scourge. They target the lonely. They target the people that that society snub their noses at. Why? Why may you ask? And for those of you who are like, pick me, pick me this your ass down and let me tell you because I can't hear you and I probably can't see you with your hand raised yelling, pick me. So that's why I'm just going to tell you. The reason why serial killers usually target the people that I just named was because if they're homeless, nobody they, they assume that nobody cares for them. They have no family and they're also cleansing the world or cleansing their community. Same thing with prostitutes. Same thing with people who are poor. If you think these people are poor. No one cares about them. They're just sucking the 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 what, the resources from the community. Well, I'm just gonna get rid of them. Look, this guy's homeless. Nobody cares for them. Fuck it, I'm gonna get rid of him too. This prostitute is over here selling that ass, sexing around, you know, shaking that little tail, and and they're committing sins and doing immoral things. I'm gonna get rid of the prostitutes as well because they feel like they're doing their community justice that they're doing the quote unquote the lord's work in order to get rid of these people but we all know that's not true we know that's not true but in their mind to justify it and while they're satisfying their urge and their 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 crave to kill to murder and whatever in you know chemical imbalance they have going on whatever they do to justify it those are the people that are typically targeted let's continue The nightly price of a single bed was 4D, equivalent to 1.98 euros in 2021. And the cost of sleeping upon a lean-to rope stretched across a bedroom was 2D for adults or children. So I do know what quid are. I do know what pounds are. And I do know what euros are. I don't know what D means. I don't know if that's an abbreviation. So if my people in, in England, if you can help me out with that. I don't know what D means. It says it's equivalent to euros. D is equivalent to euros. I don't know what that is. But what what really what really made my eyebrows go up and what really made me kind of like, what the, f- what, yo, is the cost of sleeping upon a lean-to rope stretched across the bedroom was 2D for adults or children. So from my understanding, from what I I, I read into this, it could be all, all rubbish. You like that? Shout out to England. It could all be shit. It, all, it could all be bullshit. But from what my understanding is, is that there were, there were ropes stretched across the room and you would either tie yourself or your arm to it and lean against it and sleep for the night or forever, however long that you want to take a nap. And that right there was, you were charged, listen to what I'm saying, you were charged to sleep on a leaning rope. You could just lean on a fucking rope and you were charged to do it you were charged 2d i don't know what i don't know what 2d is i don't know if that's quid i i don't know if that's pounds i don't know but that's kind of ridiculous you don't even get a bed you don't even get a couch you don't even get a piece of the floor all you do is get a fucking rope that you can lean on lean on me when you have nowhere else to sleep lean on me i'm pretty sure that's not how the song goes but hey just call me b rabbit i freestyle all the identified victims of the Whitechapel murders lived within the heart of the rookery in Spitalfields, in Spitalfields including three in George Street, later named Lowesworth Street, two in Dorset Street, two in Flower and Dean, and one in Thrall Street. These are locations of where the murders. again, these are, this was the scourge of society. This is where Whitechapel was the worst of the worst. This is where you're like, Yo, don't go down that corner between the times of 4 a.m. to 4 a.m. ever. Don't even think about it. Because you're going to get fucked up. Police work and criminal prosecutions at the time relied heavily on confessions, witness testimony, and apprehending perpetrators in the act of committing an offense or in the possession of obvious physical evidence that clearly linked them to a crime. Remember, This was the 1800s. We didn't have... we. I I say we like I was there chilling with all these motherfuckers in 1800s. This was back in the 1800s where we didn't have... They didn't have these... (laughs) They didn't have those fancy dandy machines and everything else that you're able to do now they had good old snitches police work and that's about it if you were able to see someone like you're looking you're walking down the street as a cop la 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 wait a minute are you beating that person down with a rusty nailed bat sir well no i am not carry on carry on there's no crime committed here and you know i mean it it's it's pretty much if you could catch him in the act without a doubt, then that's pre- pretty much the only way that people were getting caught unless they snitched out and they didn't like you. And they're like, oh, check it out. I saw, you see that dude right there with the, with the three eyes? Yeah, all right. Homie right there with the eyes. I saw him walk up to that baker, kick him in the head with a cinder block sandal and steal a crumpet. Arrest him. Arrest him now as the dude's eating a fucking crumpet right in front of the cops. And the cops are like, I will not have that. You will be arrested, or however they spoke back in the 1800s. I don't know. Again, ask your mom, ask your dad. I'm pretty sure they were there in the 1800s. Just remember, that's on your own discretion. Forensic techniques such as fingerprint analysis were not in use, and blood typing had not been invented. Blood typing wasn't even a question. Fingerprint, we can get your fingerprints and match them with other people's fingerprints? Oh my gosh, you and your witchery. She, it's a goddamn witch trying to bring up that I can check my fingerprints. Burn them at the stake. Burn them at the stake. They, this is witchcraft. We can never do anything like that. Let alone, hey, let me get some of your blood. Because I'm going to run it with this other blood. And I'm going to see if y'all blood match. And if you do, you done fucked up, homie. You done fucked up a-ron. But that wasn't even a thing. That was was so far advanced in the future that they didn't even consider that an opportunity. They didn't even have the technology to do it. Police in London was and still is divided between two forces. The Metropolitan Police with jurisdiction over most of the urban area and the City of London Police with jurisdiction over about a square mile, 2.9 kilometers of the city center. It's just the same thing here as I mean it's here in the states. You you have you have city police and you have sheriff police and you have state police. That's all it is. It's just different branches of police for different jurisdictions and different what is it uh not facilities but different organizations or different law enforcement agencies. There we go. Different agencies, that's all it is. So here in in, in London it's still the same thing. Here in the states it's the same thing. You have different things for for different areas. The Home Secretary, a senior minister of the British government controlled the Metropolitan Police Whereas the city police were responsible to the Corporation of London, beat constables walked regular timed routes. It's just you know you go around la la. You know every time I hear that, especially back in the 1800s, I always think of of those cartoons that I watch where the city come where the city police were walking around with the billy club, swinging it around on their on their wrist as they were walking around with their hands behind their back. That's what I imagine that that would happen back in the 1800s during this time of of police. <laughs> routes that, or during the during the, the beats that they that they walked, because they literally walked the beat back in those in those times, the 1800s. Eleven deaths in or near Whitechapel between 1888 and 1899 were gathered into a single file, referred to in the police docket as the Whitechapel Murders. Much of the original material has been either stolen, lost, or destroyed, so these are things that probably will never be completely solved. It's just an assumption that a group of people or person might have been responsible for the 11 murders again you're probably your your spidey senses are probably tingling right now thinking yo this sounds oddly familiar to this thing that i that i know about you're probably right but sit your ass down and let me finish telling you about it so let's find out who the victims were and again this is going to be a long podcast so i'm probably a long episode so i'm probably going to have to split it up into I'll do most of it and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll finish the I'll, I'll put the other one out later on that way I have some sort of consistency but it's going to be one long episode and I'm going to just just enjoy you just sit back and enjoy it okay I'm just letting you know it's going to be a long episode so who are the victims let's get into the victims again listener discretion is advised if you if you are queasy if you don't like the certain things about death regardless of what it is please this is listener discretion is advised this I, I'm the graveyard grumbler you know how the graveyard Grumbler podcast roles So, just listen to discretion. Just advice. I ran out of things to say. So, who were the victims? On Tuesday, April third, eighteen eighty-eight, following Easter Monday bank holiday, forty-five-year-old prostitute Emma Elizabeth Smith was assaulted and robbed at the junction of Osborne Street and Brick Lane, and Brick Lane Whitechapel in the early hours of the morning. Why? Look, man, just leave the prostitutes alone. Although injured, she survived the attack and managed to walk back to her lodging house at 18 George Street Spitalfields. She, she told the deputy keeper, Mary Russell, that she had been attacked by two or three men, one of them a teenager. Russell took Smith to the London hospital where a medical examination revealed that a blunt object had been inserted into her vagina. Ouch. Jesus Christmas. A blunt object had been inserted into her vagina, rupturing her peritone- peritoneum peritoneum. She developed peritonitis and died at 9 a.m. the following day. Shout out, mad respect, a tip of my hat for this woman to get a blunt object inserted into her vagina, rupturing her peritoneum, developing peritonitis, and then dying at 9 a.m. After all, she walked after all this happened to her. She, She was assaulted by a group of individuals, according to her, a group of men. After the assault, she had enough energy and en- enough consciousness to walk to the police station and put this in report. Yo, shout out to her. God damn. Talk about only the strong, although she didn't survive, but only the strong. The inquest was conducted on April 7th by the coroner for M- East Middles- Middles- Middlesex. I don't know how to pronounce that word, England, so I'm, I'm going to do my best. I think it's called Middlesex or Mid- Midlix, Mid- Midlix? I don't know. Well, let's continue. <laughs> By the corner of East Midlix, when Edwin Baxter, who also conducted inquest on six of the later victims. The local inspector of the Metropolitan Police, Edmund Reed of H Division Whitechapel, investigated the attack, but the culprits were never caught. Again, this was back in the 1800s where we couldn't just say, hey, let me check your semen and everyone who might be a victim, go ahead and, uh, and give me your semen in this cup and I'm going to match him and boom, I found you. You are guilty. They didn't have that back then. They didn't have that back then. They had hearsay, and they, all they had was the chance of finding someone committing the, exactual, the actual crime and being able to pinpoint everyone who was involved. Walter Dew, a detective constable stationed with H Division, later wrote that he believed, believed Smith to be the first victim of said famous murderer, but his colleagues suspected her murder was the work of a criminal gang. I I know that I should have said the name there, but I'm just going to drag it out just a little bit longer because at this point I'm, I'm going to read one more victim probably, and then you're going to say, "God damn it! I knew that's who it was." But at this time, we're going to continue. Smith claimed that she was attacked by two or three men, but either refused to or could not describe them beyond stating one was a teenager. It you know it's real difficult even woman or not for you to be assaulted and try to identify someone because your adrenaline is rushing you're scared out of your mind just just grateful that you even survived and so it's real difficult to identify anybody after that fact and let alone trying to pinpoint hey this is exactly who it was and this is exactly what happened so I, I get it I understand it in this 1800s it's a little it's a little harder back then for them or it was to try to find exactly who to arrest so I, I understand Eastern prostitutes were often managed by gangs, and Smith could have been attacked by her pimp as a punishment for disobeying them, or as an act of intimidation. She may not have identified her attackers because she feared reprisal. Reprisal. Her murder. Her murderer is considered unlikely to be connected to the later killings. So again, that's why I said do not glorify prostitution. Most of the time, a large portion of the time, prostitution is ran by scurvy bitch-ass little pimps. Who think that they're somewhat of a man? I can kick them dead smack with a pointed steel toe boot knife right in the dick, because they're they're just they're they're literally the scum of the earth for you to intimidate women or men and sell them for their pleasuring because they just don't want to work. I get it. Fuck you. But again, she the, the, what what the, what the police are assuming is that the police are assuming that this was an attack because she was a prostitute and maybe an, another pimp attacked her. Or her own pimp attacked her because she didn't do what she was told to do, didn't sleep with someone she decided to sleep with, or even kept more money than she was supposed to. And of course, she had repercussions, and and that's what occurred. No one knows, so they're not pinning it to the rest of the Whitechapel murders in the group that I'm about to read here shortly. On Tuesday, August 7th, following a Monday bank holiday, prostitute Martha Tabram was murdered at about 2.30 a.m. Her body was found at George Yard Buildings, George Yard, Whitechapel, shortly before 5 a.m. She had been stabbed 39 times around her neck, torso, and genitals with a short blade. With one possible exception, all her wounds had been inflicted by a right-handed individual. 39 times to the neck, torso, and genitals. With a fucking short blade. Okay, if you're going to murder someone, why you got to stab them 39 times? Or so why can't you just take one to the neck and then call it good? Again, nobody knows and no one has an understanding on why serial killers do what they do. They just know that they're unable to control whatever urge they have. But 39 times to the genitals, torso, and neck. And I mean, they, they're assuming or they, they, they are more than positive that was inflicted by someone right-handed. I mean, hey, it's whatever you say it is, but damn, catch him because that's a lot of fucking stab wounds. Let's continue. On the basis of statements from a fellow prostitute and PC Thomas Barrett, who was patrolling nearby, Inspector Reed put soldiers at the Tower of London and Wellington Barracks on an I- on an identification parade, but without positive results. Police did not connect Tavern's murder with the earlier murder of Emma Smith, but they did connect her death with later murderers. So again, they're trying to spin around. They're, they're 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 telling everybody, look, I want you to be on the lookout for someone we don't know. We have never seen them, and we don't have no idea what to identify or match them with, but I want you to be on the lookout just in case someone's walking around with bloody hands, bloody shirt, a short knife in their right hand, and is exhausted from stabbing someone 39 times. So be on the lookout. And of course, nobody was found. I wonder why. What's crazy is that they're not going to pin the murder earlier with the gal who was who was who had a blunt object shoved inside her vagina. With this gal who was murdered, who was stabbed thirty nine times. Why? Because police work isn't that accurate. Police work isn't that consistent, and they don't really know how to put it when you have different sets of gruesome murders, of gruesome crimes occurring. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't really blame the cops for that. You could, but I can't. Okay, I will. <laughs> Most experts do not connect Tabram's murder with the others because she had been repeatedly stabbed, whereas later victims typically suffered slash wounds and abdominal mutilations. However, a connection cannot be ruled out. So why even say that you're not going to connect it and say it can't be ruled out? Boy, I tell you, this is why I should start proofreading my information before I start reading it. That way I don't repeat it and then contradict what the information is contradicting, right? On Friday, August 31st, Mary Ann Nichols was murdered in Bucks Row, since renamed Durward, Durward Street, a backstreet in Whitechapel. Her body was discovered by cart driver Charles Cross at 3.45 a.m. on the ground in front of a gated stable entrance. At 3.45 a.m., the last one was at 2.30-something, and the other one before that was around the same time. Connection? I think so. But I am not a cop so I really can't put my, my, my professional opinion on it because I'm not a professional. Her throat had been slit twice from left to right and her abdomen was mutil- mutilated by a deep, jagged wound. Several shallower incisions across the abdomen and three or four similar cuts on the right side were caused by the same knife used violently and downwards. Hmm. Now we're starting to see a connection. Believe it or not, if you don't want to admit it, there's a connection now. There, 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 she's a prostitute. She was murdered and stabbed and left to be found out in the middle of the street. If if you want to do that, then go hide the body, right? Right. But no, they want to be caught. They want to leave a message. They're saying all of this stuff is connected. All of this stuff is by, is by connection of some sort, and you are going to realize it later rather than sooner. As the murder occurred in the territory of the J or Bethel Green Division of the Metropolitan Police, it was at first investigated by the local detectives. On the same day, James Monroe resigned as the head of the criminal investigation department over differences with chief commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, Sir Charles Warren. Initial investigations into the murder had little success, although elements of the press linked it to the two previous murders and suggested the killing might have been perpetrated by a gang, as in the case of Smith. When you don't have... Much to do. You want to blame a group of individuals solely on the fact that one person could not do such a horrific crime themselves. Again, this was the 1800s. People didn't want to think that people were capable of that type of brutality. So, what's better to blame one person? Let let's let's satisfy our brain. Now, let's let's blame a group of people. That's probably the best way to do it. Right? Right. Wrong again. Because I'll tell you. Here in the next short, what and who they suspect is behind this. The Star newspaper suggested instead that a single killer was responsible and other newspapers took up their storyline. Suspicions of a serial killer at large in London led to the, the second... What? secondment of detective inspectors Frederick Aberlein. See, I don't know British lingo. I don't even know what secondment mean. Secondment. <laughs> Henry Moore and Walter Andrews from the central office at Scotland Yard. So here's a side note. Why didn't anybody in England tell me that Scotland Yard was not in fucking Scotland? Scotland Yard was the main police or the main law enforcement building in goddamn England. People let me go, unless I'm wrong. Again, I could be, but I don't think I am. But let me let, let me let, let's let's look it up real quick because I, if i'm not mistaken i believe that scotland yard is in england see this is located in london metropolitan scotland yard formerly new scotland yard the headquarters of the london metropolitan police and by association a name often used to to denote that force it is located on the river Thames at Victorian Embankment, just north of Westminster Bridge in the city of Westminster. No one told me that goddamn Scotland Yard wasn't in Scotland. I always assumed that it was in Scotland until I read some piece about it being in fucking England. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Lee, that goes out for you. Thank you for letting me hang on that one, buddy. <laughs> on the available evidence, Coroner Baxter concluded that Nichols was murdered at just after 3 a.m. where she was found. In his summing up, he dismissed the possibility that her murder was connected with those of Smith and Tabram, as the lethal weapons were different in those cases, and neither of the earlier cases involved a slash to the throat. It doesn't matter. It could be exactly by the same person. They're just doing different things so they can get you off the trail so you don't find them back where they were and arrest them and kick them in the fucking neck. It's connected. Trust me, it's connected. I was My grandma was there. She told me all about it. Not really. My grandma was actually in Mexico. So I mean, I, I don't I, I can't I can't verify that story. <laughs> However, by the time the inquest into Nichols death had concluded, a fourth woman had been murdered and Baxter noted saying, quote, the similarity of the injuries in the two cases is considerable, end quote. But you just said that it wasn't considered. Now you're trying to say it's considered. Look, it's all it's all connected. It is. Stop. Stop wondering. It is all connected. The way it is, the way it was, and the way I'm going to continue reading it, it's all connected. But again, 1800s, I don't know how many times I have to say that. Probably all the way until the end of the show. The mutilated body of the fourth woman, Annie Chapman, was discovered at about 6 a.m. on Saturday, September 8th, on the ground near a doorway in the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street, Spitalfields. Chapman had left her lodgings at 2 a.m. on the day she was murdered with the intention of getting money from a client to pay her rent. This lady was just trying to go pay her rent. Got stabbed and left in, on on someone's step, and her boy. I tell you, let, let, let me finish reading. Her throat was cut from left to right. She had been disemboweled, and her intestines had been thrown out of her abdomen over each of her shoulders. The morgue examination revealed that part of her uterus was also missing. It's all connected. It is all connected. And for those of you who are serial killer enthusiasts, your ears and your eyes are probably perking up right now, saying, "Yo." I know what you're talking about. I just can't remember the person's name. You're probably right, but I will reveal it shortly. Guarantee it, be patient. It will be soon. It will be soon. The pathologist oh excuse me. oh yeah, that's right. The pathologist George Baxter Phillips was on the was of the opinion that the murderer must have possessed an anatomical knowledge. I don't know why I had such a hard time saying that word) <laughs> was the opinion that the murderer must have possessed anatomical knowledge to have sliced out the reproductive organs in a single movement with a blade about six to, eight, six to eight inches long. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have anatomical knowledge. It's just the luck of the draw. You've done it before, or you've seen it on TV, but they didn't have TV back then. So it was just trial and error at that point, and the person figured out, to, figured out how to do it. Or they came across a medical... a a medical, what is that called? Uh, Yeah, an anatomy, a medical anatomy book and decided, hey, I think I'm going to take this out because it looks interesting. That's probably more or less what happened. However, the idea that the murderer possessed surgical skills was dismissed by other experts. As the bodies were not examined extensively at the scene, it has also been suggested that the organs were actually removed by mortuary staff who took advantage of bodies that had already been opened to extract organs that they could sell as surgical specimens. You got to make money. Everyone has to hustle. They decided I'm not going to make any more openings. I'm not going to make any more incisions. What I'm going to do is I am actually going to... I'm just going to use the hole that's already there. And I'm just going to take out the organs. And I need to I need a hustle. I'm going to slang a little bit here. I get your hearts, yeah? Get your hearts. I have your hearts, yeah? So the killer might have done it, but the organs were intact until the team of uh, the mortuary staff got a hold of it. Tragic. On September 10th, the police arrested a notorious local called John Pizer, dubbed the Leather Apron, who had a reputation for terrorizing local prostitutes. His alibi for the two most recent murders were corroborated and he was released without charge. Can you imagine being called the Leather Apron? I'm actually going to look into that. I want to know if there is some sort of information regarding the Leather Apron. That way I can do a a follow-up on this episode because... That just sounds badass. The leather apron, <laughs> uh, yeah. So watch out for that episode, possibly, possibly. At the inquest, one of the witnesses, Mrs. Elizabeth Long, testified that she had seen Chapman talking to a man at about 5:30 a.m. just beyond the backyard of the 29 Hanbury Street, where Chapman was later found. Baxter inferred that the man Mrs. Long had had seen was the murderer. Again, witnesses are the only ones to pretty much pinpoint who it was why they did it, and when they did it. It was the butler in the common room with a salamander, with a chameleon. For any of you who played Clue, you know what I'm talking about. Mrs. Long described him as over 40, a little taller than Chapman, of dark complexion, and a foreign shabby genteel. I don't know what that means, <laughs> Gen- Genteel appearance not genteel my <laughs> and a foreign shabby genteel I don't know what genteel means. uh Brian, if you're listening, tell me what genteel means. he was wearing a brown deerstalker hat and dark overcoat so now we have a victim we have someone that we can pinpoint. We have a profile on someone that we're possibly looking for. Let's go ahead and send a pigeon. let's go notify the red coats are coming. Let's get on our ponies and ride. Although the Redcoats weren't coming because that was back in the 1700s. 100 years after the fact that the Redcoats came. And that was in America, not not England. Never mind, that's that's neither here nor there. But let's send the pigeons. Let's send the fox carriers and let's get this nosage out. We're looking for someone who is... A little taller than Chapman, of dark complexion, and a foreign shabby genteel. And that is G as in golf, E-N as in November, T as in Tom, <laughs> E-E-L. <laughs> E-E-L. E-E-L. <laughs> Boy, I tell you. So that's who we're looking for. Everybody, look out your windows right now, especially if you're in England, and tell me if you see them. Let me know. Another witness, Carpenter Albert Codscotch Scotch had entered the neighboring yard at 27 Hanbury Street at about the same time and heard voices in the yard followed by the sound of something or someone falling against the fence. Now we can put that we, there's someone there who heard the crime being committed. He heard someone, he heard someone getting slashed up and realized, God damn, I don't want anything to do with this. So I'm just going to act like I never seen this or been here and I'm going to walk away. It doesn't work that way, bud. Your moral compass is going to cause you to go and talk to the law enforcement agencies and let them know, yo, this just happened. We need to fix it. Go catch him right now. I need a crumpet or a biscuit, please. In his memoirs, Walter Dew recorded that the killings caused widespread panic in London. A mob attacked the Commercial Road police station, suspecting that the murderer was being held there. Samuel Montague, the member of Par- parliament for Whitechapel, offered a reward of 100 euros, roughly 12,000 euros as of 2023, after rumors that the attacks were Jewish ritual killings led to anti Semitic demonstrations. No, stop. That's not even close to being what it was. Okay, the, the, the Jewish community already suffered in the 1920s all the way through the 1940s. Let's leave them out of this one, too. God damn it. That, that was way before the time. This was 1800s. Hitler happened in 1920 to 1945 or 1948, which is summed up to 1950. I think it was actually 1945 was the end. But still, it's way too soon. Let's leave them alone. God damn it. Let's continue. Local residents founded the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee under the chairmanship of George Lusk and offered a reward for the apprehension of the killer, something the Metropolitan Police, under instructions from the Home Office, refused to do because such a move could lead to false or misleading information. The committee employed two private detectives to investigate the case. Now, that's a good point. They didn't want to offer a reward because a lot of people, because they were impoverished, they had no money, they they, they didn't have means to eat, were going to falsely accuse people to try to get that reward. And since this was the 1800s and they didn't have mugshots, they didn't have People or, or video or text messages say, look, does this look like this guy? No. All right. Well, then let's let him go. They're awfully. They're they're obviously going to take everyone in and investigate them. And you know how much you know how much time that will take. This reminds me of the the Zodiac killer, where all these copycats were trying to turn themselves in because they kept having rewards offered. It happens time and time. It's not something new. On September 30th, the body of prostitute Elizabeth Stride was discovered at about 1 a.m. in Dutfield's yard inside the gateway of 40 Burner Street, since renamed Henrique Street. She was lying in a pool of blood with her throat cut from left to right. Again, left to right. This was happening consistently. Left to right happened to the other gals. Left to right, there seems to be a pattern. It's all connected. It is. It's there. Just trust me. That's my unprofessional opinion. It's all connected. She had been killed just minutes before, and her body was otherwise unmutilated. It is possible that the murder was disturbed before he could commit the mutilation of the body by someone entering the yard. Perhaps Louis Diemschutz, who discovered the body, that that you know that's actually a, a very common thing as well. When when serial killers are about to do their their signature move, their, their finishing move. Finish him. And then someone disturbs them, it's not uncommon for them to drop what they're doing and not drop what they're doing, but stop what they're doing and take off in order for them to avoid being caught. That's not, that's not different or odd. It's just something that's, I mean, if you get startled, you're not going to continue doing what you're doing. You don't want to get caught, right? Right. However, some commentators on the case concluded that Stride's murder was unconnected to the others on the basis that the body was unmutilated, that it was the only murder to occur south of Whitechapel Road and that the blade used might have been shorter and of a different design. I wouldn't rule it out. I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. It's not something that that you can say, hey, that doesn't happen. This, 1800s. Okay, remember, 1800s. They didn't have the technology that we have now. You have to assume that it was all connected because it's happening in the same district to the same type of people in the same cases and almost similar situations. The, the knife would have been short. Great. I could, I could, I could see that. However, the throat was still slashed from left to right. That's not a coin. That's that's not a that's not a a coincidence. It, it's it's on purpose. Most experts, however, considered the similarities in the case distinctive enough to connect Stride's murder with at least two of the earlier ones, as well as that of Catherine Eddowes on the same night. At 1.45 a.m., Catherine Eddow's mutilated body was found by PC Edward Watkins at the southwest corner of Mitre Square in the city of London, about 12 minutes walk from the Burner Street. I would love to go back to, or not go back, but I would love to go to London and check out all these streets and, and map where all this all this occurred. Just it's, I know it, it's a weird history. It's a taboo history walk, but it just seems something fun to do. Now we have another body. We have another body mutilated, and we have one just thrown there, and someone found it again. Let's, let's find out what why. She had been killed less than 10 minutes earlier by a slash to the throat from left to right with a sharp pointed knife at least six inches long. Her face and abdomen were mutilated and her intestines were drawn out over the right shoulder with a detached length between her torso and left arm. Again, we have the, there was another gal that had her intestines thrown over both shoulders. Now this one just has it over the right shoulder and a part a piece was cut out. What else was cut out? Her left kidney and most of her uterus were removed. The Edo's inquest was opened on 4 October by Samuel F. Langham, coroner for the city of London. We have another one where this gal was opened up and her uterus was removed in similar fashion to one of the other ladies that it happened to as well. It's, 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 it's all connected. It is. Don't deny it. Just say, Grumbler, it's connected. Let's, let's move on. Tell me who's doing the fucking killings right now. I'll tell you, just be patient. The examining pathologist, Dr. Frederick Gordon Brown, believed the perpetrator, saying, quote, had considerable knowledge of the position of the organs. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, if he's able to take them out. <laughs> and from the position of the wounds on the body, he could tell that the murder had knelt to the right of the body and worked alone. This dude said, look, I got it. Leave me alone. Uh, this, is a, this is a one-man job. Proceed. Go ahead and have some tea. Go ahead and go have, go have a cup of coffee. And leave me alone. Let me work. However, the first doctor at the scene, local surgeon Dr. George William Sakiria, disputed that the killer possessed anatomical skill or sought particular organs. It might be a coincidence. He might just know where to stick his hand and take things out. It doesn't mean that he had knowledge. He just knows, hey, this is where this last piece was. I think I'm just going to continue taking pieces out from the same area that I did the last time. At 3 a.m., a bloodstained fragment of Edo's apron was found lying in the passage of the doorway leading to 108 to 119 Golston Street, Whitechapel, about a third of a mile from the murder scene. There was chalk writing on the wall of the doorway, which read either, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing, or the Jews are not the men who will be blamed for nothing. What the hell? I think I read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing, or the Jews are not the men who we blame for nothing. Okay, so there's a little, I, my, my brain just read the same exact thing, but that was written in chalk where this murder occurred. At 5 a.m., Commissioner Warren attended the scene and ordered the words erased for fear that they would spark anti-Semitic riots. Gulston Street was on a direct route from Miter Square to Flower and Dean Street, where both Stride and Edos lived. On Friday, November 9th, prostitute Mary Jane Kelly was murdered in the single room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court behind 26 Dors- Dorset Street, in, spatter, in spit of, I can never say that word, Spittlefields. One of the earlier victims, Chapman, had lived in Dorset Street, and another, Eddowes, was reported to have occasionally slept rough there. <laughs> slept rough there. I know it's rough, but I'm just going to sleep there. <laughs> Kelly's severely mutilated body was discovered shortly after 10.45 a.m. lying on the bed. The first doctor at the scene, Dr. George Baxter Phillips, believed that Kelly was killed by a slash to the throat. After her death, her abdominal cavity was sliced open and all her viscera removed and spread around the room. Ew, that's 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 pretty intense. Her breast had been cut off, her face mutilated beyond recognition, and her thighs partially cut through to the bone, with some of the muscles removed. Unlike the other victims, she was undressed and wore only a light chemise, chemise, chemise? I don't know what that is, C-H-E-M-I-S-E. For those of you who know, you now you know. Her clothes were folded neatly on a chair, with the exception of some found burnt in the grate. Now, this could have been an act of actual prostitution that was happening as the, as the murder concluded. The John, which John, by the way, is someone who goes and, and purchases prostitutes. They were unsatisfied with the, what their job title was and what they did. And so they took it out and decided, hey, I'm going to clean up the, the society. This is a bad area and I have my chance here and I'm going to fuck this lady up. And so he did. and now. She is a victim of this infamous person. It's insane. And again, we we don't have the ability to just say, I know who did it with video camera or blood samples. Too bad because I'm pretty sure they would have been caught. Aberlene thought the clothes had been burned by the murderer to provide light as the room was otherwise only dimly lit by a single candle. Callie's murder was the most savage probably because the murderer had more time to commit his atrocities in a private room Rather than in the street, we're gonna stop. We're gonna stop right there. I'm going to hold on to this episode, and I'm going to finish recording the rest of it. Uh, not finish recording, but I'm gonna put it out after this one, probably next week. So enjoy this episode. I appreciate it, everybody. Thank you for sticking by with me. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it very much. I'm gonna to try to get to a normal, normal. Uh, re- what is it? A uh, release schedule? It's just with work and life. You know how it is. I don't have to explain myself. Please bear with me, listen to the podcast, share the podcast, thank you. And until next time, good morning, good day, You know what? I'm not gonna sign off. I'm gonna stop here. This is where the episode ends. I'll pick it up next week so you can listen to who did it, why they did it, and who they think they did it. Until next week, thank you. This is the end, this is the end, this is the end. Yeah, we should brand, 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 brand. Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard, Podcast. Graveyard,